Welcome to the Blind Android Users Channel. This is your source for everything Android tutorials and demos, all from a blindness perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more content like this. Greetings everyone and welcome to episode 92 of the Blind Android Users Podcast. I'm Warren Carr alongside with my hosts, Doc Cameron, Fidan, Austin Pinto, and our new member to the team, John Dyer. We're recording today, Saturday, September the 10th, 2022. And coming up, we've got announcements, followed by our main theme. And today we're talking about location. It's all about that location. Then in our app of the week, we have an app called Daybridge. Welcome to episode 92. Cam, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, pretty much nothing. Just, you know, busy with work and watching the temperatures go up and down like yo-yos. It's supposed to be pretty warm here today, but it's been fairly cool. Pretty much like fall for last week, so I'm kind of liking it. I got no complaints. That's what we got, too. And I tell you what, I'm liking it because... For once now we have the we have the air off, so it's really good to be uh, not worried about the air or whatever and all that kind of thing. But then it gets cold in the morning. You want to turn on the heat or whatever. It's just kind of very interesting. Oh man, really? No man, you don't need the heat in the morning. <laughs> like, that's how you wake up. You keep yourself nice and cool. Drink that coffee, and you you know you got the energy for the day. <laughs> I hear you. Fee, is it still raining there? And talking about you, Fee, you guys have that sad news going on there the morning for the uh, the Queen passing away. And our condolences to you guys. I think um, we all uh, sympathize and empathize with you guys. Uh, what's going on besides that, girl? Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, we've just had um, Charles III has been proclaimed king today. It must be a very mixed up kind of time for him at the moment with um you know his 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 mother has died but he's got to be king straight away that must be very odd um yeah we've had lots of rain this week and some thunder and uh, heavy rain and been going on most of the week i was sitting in the garden this afternoon with the sunshine but it was a good job i came in when i did because it started to absolutely chuck it down with rain and now it's just sort of drizzling um it was kind of like my mum said uh, on Thursday, she said, oh, is it still raining in London? I said, yeah. She said, oh, London's crying because the Queen had just died. Um, yeah, so um, although it happened in Scotland, but um, yeah, it's kind of end of an era. Um, bit strange, strange time. Um uh, other than that, yeah, it's feeling a bit autumnal or more like fall, as you guys would say. Um, yeah, it's definitely cooling down here. So tell me something. Her husband is still alive, right? No, no, he died um, last year, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Because I was going to sit on. She had to sit on her own because of COVID restrictions and things. She wasn't allowed to sit with any other family. And then we found out that various government ministers and people who've been making all these rules had been having parties. And yeah, 
uh, particularly there was one on the evening before Prince Philip, the Queen's husband's funeral, um, and then the Queen sitting on her own in in the uh, in the service, and yeah, she she was a lot more um, sticking to the rules and doing the things she was supposed to do. But I suppose if you have a lifetime of doing that, you'd be used to it, wouldn't you? But um, I did feel for her that when her husband died, that was very sad. So they're together again now. Indeed. Pinto, what's going on, my boy? So whatever is going on is going on very normal. The rainy season is coming to an end. So every evening we are getting some nice thunder, lightning shows, some lot of heavy rain, downpour. So rain is getting over now. It's going to be October heat. And then will be winter. So, rain is ending. Tell me, Austin, how come it is that you guys had the whole damn week off uh, having a party, celebrating some kind of a holiday? Yeah, there was a holiday for some festival that was there. I forgot now. For a week? How a beautiful week. is that? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like... Austin was at home. I'm like, what's going on? You have the whole week off? Yeah? Interesting. Party in India. Yeah. It is party time in India. You guys in India have a party on our behalf, and congratulations for having a week off. My goodness. Thanks. But Indian weddings last about a week, don't they, or something? I think they've got the right idea, actually. I think yeah, we should do that. Yeah, Oh my! Whenever I have my birthday, I always make sure it goes on for much longer than one day. Well, I mean, Indian weddings—you got to have like the the groom side, then the bride side, then like everybody. Like, you got to have three weddings. Like, hell yeah! It's party. called party time. Yeah, Indian knows how to party. I like that. John, welcome to the edition. We welcome you to uh, BAU Podcast. And what's going on there in Virginia land? Thanks. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, cooling down here as well. Uh, we went out to the park this morning. I went with my wife and my son and had a good time there. It's definitely cooling down a little bit, starting to feel like fall here in the Virginia Beach area. Great. And we welcome you aboard and looking forward to all those unboxings from Samsung as you are the official unboxer of the Samsung flagship. Anything Samsung flagship. All right. I look forward to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. Austin, we turn on to announcements. And what do we have? So people, those who ever had taken part in the Pixel earbuds giveaway will have to take part again because there was some problem with the email and we did not get any entry for the competition. So in this episode, there will be a secret code and you need to email us with the code and then we can ship your earbuds to you. Other than that, things are working normally now. Our email address 
has started working normally. So any feedback, any comments, anything you want to do, you can email it to us at contactors at blindandroidusers.com. So that is the announcements. Thank you so much, Austin. And we really apologize, guys, for this mishap. I was hoping, though, that once things got stabilized, that we would find a winner. And somehow we didn't find it because those emails were lost. And so please and please accept our apologies. And if you had entered, we want you to do that again because we would like to be able to give that away. And thank you for your patience. And again, we apologize for that uh, bad happening. We now turn on to our main topic of the day, and it's all about locations. You know, locations is something that we all use. We either love it or hate it. Sometimes people say, hey, I don't want them tracking me. And there are benefits to locations, isn't it? But before we talk about all of that, though, I want to give you a general overview of this area. So I'm going to go into that area. And then after I've shown you what we have in here, then we will discuss it as a group. I am here in the system settings and let me quickly jump into the location area and I'll take you through the tour of all that is found within this location area. Then we will discuss these items and some of their strengths and weaknesses. I will now move into the location area. Location. On 22 apps have access to location. I am told that my location is on and there are 22 apps that have access to location services. Let's go ahead and tap here and take a look at what we have. Location. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. Upon tapping on location, we are now on a page and I do want to mention here in passing that there's a kill switch near the top right, just maybe like a couple inches from the top, and that is a toggle. You can basically use that as a kill switch that turns off everything having to do with location. I'll put down my finger so you hear what I'm talking about. Use location on switch. There's that use location on switch, and it's there on the right near just below the top. And below that we have recent access heading in list. We have a heading for recent access that is apps that have recently accessed these location services. Google three minutes ago. And I'm told Google accessed that three minutes ago. Google Fi three minutes ago. Google Fi, that's my phone services provider. Nest 14 hour ago. And my Nest thermostat from 14 hours ago. Uh, and the reason is that you can choose to only have these things only uh, have access to when you're using the app. We've shown a lot of these type of access in some of the privacy items and all of that. Again, I do want to mention here in passing that although we've talked about these things, these are things that you can tap on and choose to turn off or rather set them to only have this access when you are using the app. Next. See all. We have a see all. Next. App location permissions. 22 of 109 apps have access to location. 
app location permissions, and I'm told that there are 22 apps out of 109 apps that have that capability that have access to or that are allowed to view. And this does not mean that all 22 apps may be actively searching for my location, but these would contain both that are actively searching for my location and those that can only see my location when they are in use. I'll go in here so that you know what I'm talking about. Therefore, I'm tapping on this item. Location. Back. Button. Out of list. Showing items 1 to 11 of 114. I will now put my finger near the top. Location. Location. Apps with this permission can access this device's location, heading, in list. And here are the apps we're talking about. Allowed all the time, heading. Under allowed all the time, we've got... Android System Intelligence, last accessed 10, 11 a.m. Android System Intelligence... And again, it's just like any other one. I could tap here and say, hey, only use this only when it's in use. However, this may cause some instability because this has to do with things like checking things on the Play Store to know when updates are available for you and things like that. So it's up to you. Next. Google, last access 2.08 p.m. There's Google, next. Google Fi, last access 2.08 p.m. And I'm moving through. Allowed only while in use, heading. So as you can see, only three are allowed for active location uh, access. Now under allowed only while in use, I have some of the following. So out of those 22 apps that we heard, three of them are active and 19 of those only have access when they are in use. And some of these include the following. Amazon Alexa. Amazon Alexa. Android Auto. Android Auto, and below that... Camera. Camera. Chase. Chase, and the list would go on and on till all 19 have been exhausted. Now let's go back to the previous screen and continue throughout our exploration. Location. App location permissions. 22 of 109 apps have access to location in list. Now, below that, we've got... Location services. Location services. In other words, these have to do with things like earthquakes and uh, emergency services and things like that. Let's go in here, though, and see what this is all about. Location services. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. I put my finger in the middle, or near the top, rather. Location services. Here is location services. And now below that, I'll move my finger down and see what the services are. Earthquake alerts on in list. Earthquake alerts is on. Emergency location service on. Google location accuracy on. Google location history tap to manage. Google location history tap to manage. In other words, you could tap in here and manage how that access your location and Google Location Sharing, tap to manage. Google Location Sharing. Let's go in here, for example, because this is one of the important things here, too, as well. Let's go in here and see what we're talking about. Location Sharing, warcare at gmail.com. We are here in Location Sharing. I'll put my finger near the top. Location Sharing. 
And then to the right of that is your account. Google account. Warren Carr. Warcare. Location sharing lets you share your real-time location from your devices with people you choose. And now I'm going to simply tell it to read from here. Thus, I'm triple tapping with three fingers to read from next item. What information is shared? Heading three. People you share your location with can see your name, photo, and real-time location across Google services, even when you're not using Maps. They can also add location sharing notifications to know when you arrive at or leave specific locations. Shared information may include where you've recently been, how you're traveling, your device info, and your places, like home and work. You aren't sharing your real-time location with anyone on Google. Protect your privacy. To stop sharing your location with someone, tap stop next to their name. To temporarily stop all location sharing, turn off location in your device settings. Learn more about this in Google support. You can disable location sharing from this page, but you can only start sharing your location from your mobile device. Location sharing works across Google apps and services, including learn more about this in Google support and learn more about this in Google support, period. And that is the end of that description of the location sharing. And now I'll go back to the previous screen. Location services. Google location sharing. Tap to manage in list. The next item that we find underneath location sharing will be Wi-Fi scanning off. Wi-Fi scanning and mine says off. In other words, if you turn this on, what will happen is that it will scan for Wi-Fi devices and things like that, making things like casting and all of that easier, whatever the case may be. I'll tell you to show you what I'm talking about, but it means it will be active even when you're not scanning for devices. I'll tap here. Wi-Fi scanning. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. And here we have an off-on switch near the uh, top right, just below the top. Wi-Fi scanning. Off. Switch. In list. And moving my finger down. Allow apps and services to scan for Wi-Fi networks at any time, even when Wi-Fi is off. This can be used, for example, to improve location-based features and services. So those apps that have that capability, if you let them on, then that's what they will do. I'm going to go back to the previous screen. Location services. Wi-Fi scanning. Off. In list. The next item. Bluetooth scanning. Off. And basically, Bluetooth scanning is just the same idea. I'll tap here to show you what I'm talking about. Bluetooth scanning. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. Put my finger near the top on the right. Bluetooth scanning. Off. Switch. In list. Move my finger down. Allow apps and services to scan for nearby devices at any time, even when Bluetooth is off. This can be used, for example, to improve location-based features and services. So in other words, it's the same thing we saw with the Wi-Fi scanning capabilities. That is, apps that have these Bluetooth scanning capabilities would be able to scan for Bluetooth devices just like those Wi-Fi capable apps that have the Wi-Fi capability scanning. Let's go back. Bluetooth scanning off in list. And that will be the last item in here. I'm going to go back. Location services. I am now back on the previous screen. And that's the last item here, but we do have some information below that. And that information, moving my finger down, says... Location may use sources like GPS, Wi-Fi, mobile networks, and sensors to help estimate your device's location. 
Google may collect location data periodically and use this data in an anonymous way to improve location accuracy and location-based services. And that's it about the information about what these location services do. We will now go ahead and now discuss these things and talk about their strengths and their weaknesses. So that's it about locations. And now, guys, let's talk about it. Locations is something we need. And I'm looking at it from the viewpoint of a blind person. Uh, when we use locations, we're talking about being able to go somewhere or things connecting to uh, our phones via that location services and all of that. And frankly, if we're going to be able to use location services, or if I'm going to be able to use my GPS effectively, I definitely will need to have that location access, isn't it? I'm going to the coffee uh, coffee shop down the street. It has to know uh, where that thing is located in order for it to give me directions. So you can see why location is important. And yet in the same breath, I think we only have a problem with it when it's doing the wrong thing or some apps are taking advantage of that because it's not just Google that has location services. But as you can hear from my tour, there were like 22 apps having services or location services out of my 109 or so apps, although not all of them are active. But so these are important things and they all have different purposes. What do you guys think? I love location services um, for things like Lazarillo, you know, or uh, to give me directions, tell me when I'm near a certain shop or something. Um, but you do have to be careful with them. Um, there are some, there are organisations in this country, organisations like Women's Aid and Refuge, who um, who warn women and i guess it, it could happen to men too but these i know more about the uh, women's organizations um to to check that they're not being tracked by an abusive partner um you know that they haven't put a an, an app on their phone um and especially you know if they then split up or something you know uh, so things like that. So you do have to be careful who you who you share your location with, I guess, and which apps. Uh, as long as you realise what you're doing, it's a very wonderful thing to, especially when you're blind, to be able to uh, have. And also there are things like, uh, Warren, in your demo, you said Nest had um, used your location. So maybe that was so that it could turn your heating on when you came into your your home, for example, if, if the thermostat said it was cold enough or something. Um, you know, these are really useful tools, but they just need to be used carefully. It's interesting you mentioned that about, you know, women organization. Uh, it is true, you know, some people could use these things to track people, and we know the infamous, uh, what is it, the... Uh, Apple, what is it? Apple tax. Anyone remember what the thing is called? And so if you have an Android phone, I know for a while there was no way to know that someone is tracking you with a tag. And so they had to come up with some services or apps on the Play Store that you could install to find out if someone is uh, tracking you. So yes, these things are very important. And yet in the same breath, they could be 
very dangerous in the sense that someone could use it for a bad purpose. And so we got to be very careful and to know which of these apps are tracking you. What I like, though, is the fact that in Android now, you know, you could disable those things or tell them, hey, I only want you to use this location service only when I am using you. So, But when I'm done with you, just leave me alone. And I think that's a good implementation. Yeah. And recently, I, I don't remember what version of Android it was, but they introduced where you can specify, give this app my precise location or give this app my general location you know so if it's an app like uh for example it just wants to know your zip code so it can tell you the closest home depot to you or something like that you know that doesn't need to know your exact gps location and you can choose when you allow the permission whether you want it to be precise or not and in that case you know you don't want them knowing exactly where you are you just want them to be able to tell you what the closest store is to you that is very true. And I think we have that since what is it? I want to say maybe it's available in Android 11, but I'm not very sure on that. But I know for sure that that is also found in Android 12. And that's a very good point because if all you want to know or all that you want the app to know is that, hey, I live in Seattle or I live in the whatever hill in Seattle, <laughs> you can tell I, I, I don't go to Seattle often. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm living on Mongolia Street or something like that, uh, you know, I, I don't want you to know my address, but then I give you that general whatever. But then I think the precise thing for me, I would use that for like a GPS app, for example, uh, Fee mentioned that Lazarillo, if I'm going to some place, I need to know uh, how to get there. So if you don't have the precise, then you may just have a vague idea. So um, you can see where we're going with this. There's both uh, a goodness to both sides, because if it's something that you don't need it to have that precise location, then you choose not don't have the precise, just a general one, uh, knowing that I'm in Seattle or wherever I'm at. So I think that's a good idea. Does anyone know what technology that uses, the, the imprecise, shall we say, location? I mean, does it that use like a phone towers instead? Yeah, exactly. Oh. You're right. It uses could, like a phone Wi-Fi tower. networks could still be quite precise, though. I just yeah, wonder. Well, by Wi-Fi networks, I think I mean like internet connection, like it knows your basically your IP. So in the same way, yeah. like if you were to use a PC and have location services turned on your PC, like your PC kind of knows your location, even though it doesn't have a GPS chip in it. And it uses like internet connection to basically oh, I see, tell yeah, the website where, where you connecting. are. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, then you get those emails from Google or whatever saying someone signed into your account, but this time and this, and usually I'm like, yeah, good. That was me. That's fine. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I still think it could be more precise than perhaps you might realize sometimes. Um, I'd, I'd like to know in terms of miles or half miles or something, you know. I've never heard an answer to that one. So I'm just intrigued. But um, yeah. And, you know, it's also handy when you're doing the nearby share or maybe you're trying to connect to some device in your house, uh, that comes in handy because then it has that ability to see that 
uh, particular device you want to inter interact with and thereby making it easy to interact with that particular or that given device. So there are a lot of usage, um, good usage for, you know, precise and then also for don't have my precise. So it depends on what it is that you're trying to do. Some of these things would need that precise location. For example, you know, if I want to be able to move from here to there, I need to have that precise location because I don't want to make a wrong turn on a wrong street. So I see both sides of it and I'm glad that we have both. It's just a beautiful thing. There is one more option to the location window, which is the mock location, which can be found in developer options. If you go to about phone and tap seven times on the build number, you enable developer options, go to developer options, then go to debugging and enable mock location. What this does is it fakes your location. You can say, say that you are in US or somewhere and then you can get hold of content or something that you cannot watch in your country. And I call that the hide my ass uh, type of service. You know what I mean? Uh, can I say that on the podcast? I think yeah, I could. Yeah, you can. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the greatness in Android because you can uh, enable that if you want that type of behavior because then you can pretend you're somewhere else, you know, when you're not there. It's a really interesting take. The other thing is, you know, people often think it's just it's just a sat nav thing location, but like we were saying, you know, it could be uh, phone uh, masts or cell towers, as I think you call them, or it could be um, things like Bluetooth uh, and Wi-Fi. Um, now, this was a very interesting one uh, during COVID. Uh, I think in many countries, there were different apps that you could install. Each country had its own app, which presented problems if you travelled. But uh, if you didn't, which you weren't really meant to much at the time anyway, because it was everything was all locked down. But I never installed those apps because, to me, they were government apps. And I just, they, they were supposed to ping you, you know, if you'd been near somebody with COVID. Well, I live in a flat. Um, in London and somebody in another flat or even in the next door house could have COVID the Bluetooth would go through the wall but I would have had no actual face-to-face -face contact with them and also I just didn't like the idea of this thing tracking me at all so um, you know again location and other information it, it's just important to be careful of it I think you know, Fee, you brought up a very important point there, uh, most especially about that uh, COVID tracking thing, because it doesn't tell us, hey, if you're like two feet away from that person, then I'll track it as you're near someone that has that COVID. We don't know the uh, the length, or, you know, how far the person needs to be from me before it does that. So it's just a blanket thing. And so really, like you, I never installed that because I'm like, hell no. And you made a very good point. You could be in another apartment and someone could be in another apartment. And the only thing that separates you is just the wall. And you will be flagged as being near someone who has COVID. So this is really something that I'm, I'm not sure if anyone thought about that. A very important point. Well, I mean... No. I, I, I look at it kind of in a bit of an interesting way, kind of similar to both of you guys. But 
uh, Bluetooth has a range of averaging 30 feet. So there's no way to cut that down for the app to only determine how many, like, your contacts within a six-foot zone or a 10-foot zone. So really, you could live in a uh, an apartment that's, say, 20 feet wide, and you could, have, in reality, you could have someone who's literally two apartments down from you test positive. They may be able to flag you as a close contact, whether you've encountered them or not. Exactly. But where my biggest thing came in is, so I did download the tracking app for Alberta. And I mainly did it because I was going to be out doing a lot more stuff during the pandemic. So I'm like, you know, it might be that extra blanket safety thing. That way, if I get in contact with somebody, it's a little bit, you know, they can track me back a little bit more. It's not such an onus on me. Well, the problem was, I can almost guarantee you I encountered many people with COVID. But yet, that application was completely useless. Not to mention, our province implemented it in such a sketchy way, you could actually get into the data. And you could actually track people, like reverse track. So it actually opened up a lot of vulnerabilities. Yeah, and you have to depend on everyone else to actually have the app installed on their phone and have exactly. their Bluetooth turned on and all that. And then not only that, but then once they test positive for COVID, they have to activate, they have to let it know I'm positive for COVID. So any phone that's been within 30 feet of my phone, uh, exactly. you know, alert like, them. So there's a lot of steps that have to go into place for this to actually work. And I think that's why it never really worked very well so. anywhere. And I think they had the right idea. I don't personally have an issue with their concept of the app, but it wasn't a functional and reliable process. And I think it kind of exposed some of the concerns a lot of people have with location tracking. Because while you look recently in Canada, Tim Hortons has been nailed for tracking people while they're not even in the application. So their app will allow you to do, you know, advanced orders, um, stuff like that at the nearest Tim Hortons to your location. But they were actually tracking you while the application was closed and not running in your phone. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of why you should go into these location settings and look through your apps and see which apps have access all the time. And, you know, if Tim Hortons is, is in that list, why you know exactly take it out of that list i look at things (laughs) i've got simple certain things on my phone i allow to track me obviously i I allow my google maps to track me i allow my cell carrier to track me because that helps with the 911 responses and stuff like that uh facebook i allow to track but really nothing else and i don't know why some of these applications need your location data when Like, okay, why does a word processing application need your location data? That doesn't make sense. But yet, if you are using something that's, uh, we'll say, like a macro application that'll go and actually trigger certain events, you kind of want that to have location in case, you know, you walk through a geofence, it'll trigger your lights at your house. Yeah, and it's important to point out that these... All these settings transfer over for you. So if you haven't gone and looked at these settings, even if you've gotten a new phone and you've restored your backup, 
like all these tra these apps settings transfer over. So if you gave something permission years ago, if you've just transferred your backup every time you got a new phone, then it still has permission. So you you should just go in and just look at the list and see what has access and make sure you're okay with it. That is important, John, and a very important point in there because like I I showed in my demonstration or, you know, the tour of the items in that location services, you know, all my phones are like that. It doesn't matter which one of the phones I picked up because all of my settings were kept. And so if you had done something in the past and you forgot, um, you want to go in here from time to time to make sure that things are in the order that you want them to be so that if you're getting a new phone, you are sure that your settings are going to be kept. And, you know, uh, Cam, you talked about that, uh, Tim Hortons. Very interesting. We were having that conversation yesterday on our way from the football game, high school football game. And, you know, my uh, my daughter and her friend, and we were talking about uh, there was something they were showing on uh, McDonald's or whatever, saying uh, some lady was saying, or her kid was saying, I want to, Fortnite pass with it or something like that. And I'm like, well, you know, it brings to mind uh, something that happened in Canada. Someone was tracking uh, people, you know, and I just couldn't remember the name of the restaurant. Yeah. I said, I don't know if it was Wendy's or, but it was something local. And uh, they had to be given food as a consolation. <laughs> like the only time, like there's one um, setting in my phone that I'm, have absolutely no problem with when it comes to location and that stuff like your maps because obviously that will transfer over to your watch so you can you know go through gps stuff but it also gives access to the sos so i look at that being a process that i honestly think everybody should be able to have turned on and feel comfortable with because at least then if you say have a fall you're going to know that your SOS is going to give a relatively accurate location. But other than that, like I really do think most apps, you should have to give it the, you should have to really determine what it has access to with regards to your location, opposed to just say like accurate or or um, your approximate location. Because your precise location is going to change all the time. And how precise is it? Where you say your general or approximate location, you know, we still don't know what the range for their definition of approximate is. Is that a five kilometer radius or is that a 20 kilometer or 20 mile radius? Like we don't know. And I think that's something too that Google and its various manufacturers on Android devices should be looking at is what do we consider precise and what do we consider approximate? Because that too can have an impact on what we may or may not allow to have access to our location services. Other apps that are important to keep giving location access to if you want them to work easily are things like, um, for example, in this country, Deliveroo, when you're using it, not all the time, so that it knows what your nearby restaurants are because it's a takeaway delivery app. And apps like Uber and Get and similar taxi riding apps because um, then they know where they need to pick you up from 
and also they can see where you are if you're worried about safety and things like that you know so um it's a good idea to give those access to uh to your location as well that's right and you know what cam was also talking about you know what is precise and what is approximate I think that even the GPS, you know, when you launch uh, Google Maps, it gives you a disclaimer. You know, these things are not really even precise. Sometimes maybe like 10 meters off or two feet off or whatever. And I think that the usage of this is going to come in very handy, most especially when that UWB is fully implemented. Because I think those of us, I'm always looking at, you know, my viewpoint as a blind person, uh, how I could take advantage of this type of services if I need to be able to find things, you know, precisely like, you know, say you go to a hotel and like all those indoor mapping stuff, I think it comes, it becomes a very uh, beneficial thing to us, those of us who are blind, because I can now be able to find my way to the bathroom and all of that. I always tell a story about my experience back in 1995. I went to Fresno, California. It was a big Holiday Inn hotel, and we were there for a week for a convention. And believe it or not, it wasn't till like maybe the last two days before I could figure my way around <laughs> that hotel, you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm just kind of <laughs> thinking about it. And every time we talk about location services and things of this nature, I was saying to myself, how I wish we had this type of things back then, then I wouldn't have been struggling in that hotel <laughs> during that convention. Yeah, it's I've never seen one that big. Yeah. And what is UWB? Ultra wide band. Uh, it's found in the Pixel 6 Pro. Uh, Apple also has it. Um, but so, what would happen is that developers need to take advantage of that. And frankly, uh, when they do, a lot of services would become you know, better for us, like that example I just gave. You know, we should be able to have some, if someone has an indoor mapping uh, app, so that we'll find our way in a mall or find our way in a big hotel. Uh, those kind of things are important, and I always, you know, cheer for those type of things. I'm cheering for them because we can find our way without asking someone constantly, hey, can you show me this? Can you show me that? I think it's, it's time that we have the ability to find these things on our own, and technology only gets better and better. That would be good. I mean... Because a couple of things that interfere with location that some people might not realise. With SatNav, the sky needs to be available to you. So if you're in a big shopping mall or even among a load of tall buildings, your SatNav can go quite way off, like by 100 metres or something, because the phone... The, the sort of link between the phone and the sky is is blocked by buildings or or roofs or floors of shops above you um and that's worth knowing that if that happens to you because you're in a in an area like that you haven't got a broken phone or anything it's just 
it won't work well in those circumstances because there's too much obstruction between you and the sky for the phone to get the sat-nav properly. Exactly. So these services are good for us because, um, and of course, like we said, you can always uh, turn these things off or, you know, set them to do this only when uh, having this thing in use or whatever the case would be. But we have that finer granular control and that's the good news about it. I really love location. I really love location with Bixby because I've set up routines so that when I go to church, my phone automatically goes on silent and then goes off silent again when I leave. Uh, it's mm -hmm. within a few hundred meters. It's not right at the door of the building, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, and for if the I Nest next, app... If, if I live next so, door to church, it might be more pro problematic, but I don't, so it's fine. Yeah, and similar to that, when you... That's why the Nest app wants your location is, like you mentioned earlier, to adjust the thermostat, but it's also for like if you have indoor cameras and you don't want them recording while you're home then you can just have them automatically turn on and start recording when you leave the house and then when you get back home it turns them all off of course you always want your outdoor cameras recording but you can set it up to do that as well it's a great technology and i'm loving my nest uh, or nesty stuff you know <laughs> i got i got that new um, outdoor nest, you know, from Google, and it's just great. I love it. You know, you know who's coming in, uh, you know, whatever, things like that. And I could see it on my phone. You could see it on the uh, uh, the, the nest display. It, it is just a beautiful thing. You know, those things, oh, who's at the door, you know, gone are those days. <laughs> yeah, and I have mine, uh, fa uh, it recognizes faces and I have it programmed to recognize my face, my wife's face, my, even my son's face. So like if, like when Ashley was bringing in Jack, it would say, like he likes to push the button even yeah. when they're just coming in. So he'll push the button and then when they come in house, the house, all the Google homes will announce, Mama and Jack are at the front door. Exactly. <laughs> so and it's that's cool what you I can like. have it announce who's actually at the door. Yeah. It's really good for us blind people because I, I can't see who is there. But if you've uh, taught it to recognize certain faces, you know, when th that person comes to the door, it'll let you know. So I could say, hey, I'm not letting you in just because. And the thing is that you can talk with the people <laughs> out there. And I like that. It's just a beautiful thing. So this is part of that location. Oh, big brother, that we're about. big brother's watching us all. Oh, dear. Yeah, big brother. All these and... cameras everywhere. <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, it's the world we live in now. It's unfortunate. You know, like I said, every good thing has some bad part to it. And we just have to kind of know how to use it and uh, try to deny the things we don't want it to have or access to things we don't want it to have. And I think that's the good part of it. Yeah, and it's it's good to, if you're one of those types who just like turns off your location globally, which is something my dad does, you'll notice it messes up your phone. Like you'll want to do something simple. Like for an example, my dad would say, he has an iPhone, so he'd say to Siri, call China Chef, which is a 
restaurant right down the street and it starts calling some random Chinese restaurant in like a completely different state because he keeps his location turned off. So it'll really mess up a lot of features you use all the time. So if you're one one of those who likes to keep your location turned off, I encourage you just turn it on, but go and limit what apps have access to it. it. It'll make your experience a lot better. That is very true because besides that, you are also going to be increasing the battery consumption because these things are running in the background when they shouldn't be. So it really, from that viewpoint alone, uh, by golly, turn off the ones you're not using or the ones that are not needed to be active. Turn those off, put them to only when I'm using the app like I have, as I have shown in that little overview. And Warren, I'm just wondering, do you have a secret code for us? You know, talking about secret uh, codes, John, maybe we need to give a secret code for our giveaway. And that code is going to be CORE5, C-O-R-E-5. There are five of us here today, right? CORE5 is your code. Let's now transition to the last item on the menu, and that would be the app of the week. So for episode 92, app of the week, I am demonstrating an app called Daybridge. Here is a demonstration of Daybridge. Hi. For episode 92, app of the week for the Blind Android Users Podcast, this is demonstrating Daybridge. D-A-Y-B-R-I-D-G-E. Today, I'll be demonstrating for you Daybridge, a calendar app. In other words, if you're not happy with the calendar app that comes natively on your phone or the one you've downloaded either from Google or whatever, and you're not happy with it, you may want to give Daybridge a try. For today's demonstration, I'll be using my Pixel 6 Pro with Android 13 QPR1 Beta 1 and for the TTS engine, I am utilizing the Google Speech Services via the Auto TTS Language Switcher. I am on my home screen now and will navigate my way to the icon for Daybridge. Daybridge. Here is Daybridge, and I'll tap here to activate. Daybridge. Sign in with Twitter. Upon launching Daybridge, we heard... Sign in with Twitter. In other words, you could sign in using your Twitter account or you could sign in with Google or with Apple. This is what I'm talking about. Sign in with Google button. Or sign in with Apple button. Those are your options. I will tab on sign in with Google. Sign in with Google button. I'll tab here to activate. Google Play Services on top, Google Play Services on bottom. Google Play Services. Choose an account. Launching or tapping on Sign In with Google, we're placed on a screen that asks us to sign in with a Google account that we would like to use this app for. I will tap on my username here and continue from here. Warren Carr, Warcare at gmail.com. I'll tap here to activate. Google Play Services on top, Google Play Services on bottom. Daybridge. Back, button, in list. 
Tapping there now, we are highlighting the back button, which is found near the top left corner of the phone. I'll move my finger down from here. Tell us about you. We hear, tell us about yourself. We need to know a few things to set up your account. And? Warren Carr, edit box, full name. That's your name. Warren, edit box, first name. Next. Edit box, email address. Email address. So I'm going to tab here to enter my email address. Back. Tapping on that, I heard back. And if I put my finger down, there's a keyboard that has been popped up. But also alongside with that will be an autofill from which I could simply tap on my email address and fill in all the necessary field required. Workair at gmail.com. Enlist. Window autofill options. And I'll tap here. Editing. Workair at gmail.com. Edit box. Email address. There's my email address. And now at the bottom of my keyboard on the right, I'll find and tap on the Done button. Done. There keyboard hidden. Workair at gmail.com. Edit box. Email address. Enlist. Next. Country region. Region letter U. Region letter S. United States. Button. Next. Time zone. America. Los Angeles. Button. I'm on Pacific time, so I'll leave that there. Next. You could tap in here if you're in a different time zone, but basically it will automatically detect your time zone and will just automatically pull that up. Next. Terms and conditions. We got the terms and conditions. Please confirm that you've read and agree to our terms and conditions and privacy policy. And to the right of that is a checkbox or a switch that is turned off by default. And you will need to tap on that to turn it on to say that you agree. Off. Switch. And I'll tap here. On. And then at the bottom. Create account button. There we go. Tap here to create account. Say hello to your new calendar. We are now on the screen with a little bit of an introduction. And at the bottom of the phone is the next button. Or you could simply swipe from right to left with two fingers to move to the next page. I'll tap on the next button found at the bottom of the screen. Next button out of list. Second page. View your plans. Next. Next button out of list. Create categorized events in seconds in list. Next. Next button out of list. And. Share events with a tap in list. And at the bottom. Let's go button out of list. Let's go. Tap here. Button. Detected. Text W. Now we are in the main UI of the app and we heard detected text W. At the top, there's absolutely nothing there at the top, neither on the top left corner nor on the top right corner. At the bottom, however, we have some buttons and that's one of those that you heard. Starting from the bottom left and going to the right, we have the following buttons button. We have one that says button and to the right of that. Capital W. 
capital W signifying my name. To the right of that, Friday, the 9th of September, button, button. Friday, the 9th of September. Next to the right of that, select calendars, button. Select calendars. In other words, you could add different calendars, whether it's a Google Calendar, a Microsoft Calendar, and then to the right of that, we've got Add Event button. Add Event. This is where you'll tap to create an event for your calendar. Now, let's go back to that button on the bottom left that says Button. And I do want to mention here in passing that whether you tap on that one that simply says button or the one that says capital W for my name, it could be capital S or capital D, whatever your name may be, that's what that will show. And they are one and the same. In other words, tapping on that takes us to what looks like the open navigational drawer. I'll tap on one of these. Capital W. I'll tap on the one that says capital W. Back button. Tapping on that highlights the back button found at the top left corner. Below that, going down, we've got... Settings. Settings. And this settings is not necessarily something that you could tap on and go into the settings. Rather, it should have said settings heading because it's just like a header. Below that, we've got capital W, Warren. My name. Button, disabled, detected, text, W. Next. Account. Account, you could tap here to manage your account. Notifications. Notifications, you could go in here and do all the notification stuff. Connected calendars. Connected calendars. In other words, you can go in here and manage the calendars that you have added, whether it's a Google Calendar, Microsoft Calendar, or is there a Yahoo Calendar? Something like that. Next. Delete account. You can delete your account right here. App Info. App Info. Next. Help. Help. Slack Community. There's a Slack Community. Privacy policy. We got the privacy policy. Terms and conditions. We also have terms and conditions next. App version 1.4047. And the last item here is sign out. Sign out. I'll now go back to the main UI. Button detected text W. Let's now go to that last button on the bottom right, and that will be the Add Event, and see how we go about creating events. Add Event button. Tab here. Showing English US QWERTY. Back button. Tapping on Add Event, the keyboard pops up, and then we heard Back button, which is to the top left corner, and we'll go from there. Below that, we've got Choose Calendar, Personal button. Choose calendar, personal, or you could go choose business, and then to the top right corner. Save button. There's a save button, and that you save after you've chosen or created your event. Let's go down. Detected. Text plus. Text plus. That item there on the left that says text plus is an item that when we tap on, will take us to categories. That is, we could go in 
create or select a category that we're creating the event for because this thing is not just a calendar, but it has other social aspects to it. I'll show you what I'm talking about. So I'll tap here. Back button. Keyboard hidden. We heard that back again, followed by keyboard hidden. Let's keep going down. Choose category and icon. Choose category and icon. And then we have two tabs below that. Selected category tab one of two in list two items. We have the category tab, which is selected by default. And to the right of that is the icon tab. Icon tab two of two. Now going down. Edit box. Search for a category out of list. You could search for the category. If you don't want to go through the list, you could simply type in the category you're looking for. But let's go ahead, though, and see what some of these categories are. Entertainment in list. We have entertainment. Fitness. Family. General. Hobbies. Trips. Learning. Personal care. Social. Special occasions, transport, work. And that's the last item. Now let's go to the icons tab. You could simply tap on the icons tab near the top where we have those two categories, or rather two tabs, the categories tab and icons tab, or you could simply swipe from right to left with two fingers. I'll swipe from right to left. Icon. Selected. I am now in the Icons tab. Now, basically, these are picture representations that you could add to the event. I'll show you some of these things that I'm talking about. Light aircraft button in list. Go right. Map button. Map pin button. Navigation arrow button. Passport button. Suitcase button. Taxi button. Train button. Truck button. Walk button. By now you understand all that this is about because if you chose something like travel or trip in the category, you may assign it to either an airplane, a truck, a taxi, or whatever for your icon. And they're arranged in grids and columns. Now I'll go back to the previous screen where we tapped on the plus that took us to the categories and the icons. Back button. There we go. It landed us on that back button near the top. And below that, we have that icon thing that says plus. Detected. Text plus. And then below that, we have. Edit box. Add title. Add the title. Let's tap this. Showing English US QWERTY. I'll call it Blind Android Users Podcast. P. Assistant voice typing. Listening. Blind Android Users Podcast. Suggested commands. Clear. Stop. Voice typing stopped. All right, I just dictated Blind Android Users Podcast. I'll put my finger to make sure I got that in there. Editing Blind Android Users Podcast. Edit box. There is our title. Below that, we've got... On. It says on. Where is it? When is it starting? On what date? The 9th of September. Edit box. Disabled. We've got the 9th of September. If I wanted it to be starting on the 9th of September, 
I'll leave that as is. But if it isn't, let's say I want to choose September 10th. I'll tap here. Keyboard hidden. Close sheet. At the bottom half of the phone is the calendar. Basically, dates and all of that. I'll find the 10th here. Put my finger down. 18, button, 9, 12, button, 11, button, 10, button. Press 10, I tap. Back, button, out of list. And places me near the top again. I put my finger down toward the middle. The 10th of September, edit box, disabled. And to the right of that. Until. Until what did? The 10th of September, edit box, disabled. I'll leave it on that. Then below that we've got... From. From, that is what time? 7 p.m., edit box. Say 7 p.m., and to the right of that... 2. 2, what time? 8 p.m., edit box. 8 p.m. Next, we got... Add location, edit box, disabled. Add your location, you could tap here to add a location if you are going to a particular location. Doesn't repeat. Edit box. Disabled. Does it repeat? You could tap here to choose. It repeats or doesn't repeat by default. It doesn't repeat. September 2022. There we go. Next, if everything is okay, then all you need to do is tap on that save found near the top right corner. Save button. And that's where you will tap to save. If you don't want to save it, of course, if I go back, for example. Daybridge. Discard. I have a dialogue now asking if I wanted to discard this or not. Are you sure you want to discard your changes? And below that to the left is discard. Discard button. And to the right is. Keep editing button. Keep editing. So I'm going to tap on discard. Discard button. Daybridge button. I tap on discard. W. And now we're back to the main UI. And that's it about Daybridge. And you now know how to manage your Daybridge. D-A-Y-B-R-I-D-G-E. And with that, we want to thank you for listening to us. We conclude this week's episode of the Blind Android Users Podcast. We'll now turn on to Austin to give us information or give you information as how you can go about getting hold of us. Austin? So people to locate us, they can email us with their questions or feedback or comments or recording submissions to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. They can browse our website, blindandroidusers.com. Check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash blindandroidusers. Subscribe to our mailing list, Blind Android Users, plus subscribe at groups.io. The links for Telegram and Twitter Clubhouse will be in the show notes with all the other links. So that is it from us this week. And from me, guys, it's goodbye till next week. Thank you so much for listening. And we really enjoy you guys. Thank you so much for always being there. Goodbye. Bye. And thank Goodbye. you for locating the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for locating the podcast. Feed us beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another clip from the Blind Android Users channel. 
Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you're notified of every new material that we upload. Thanks again for listening to the Blind Android Users channel.